0: Hello, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six-Pack. I'm your host, as always, Tony Defeo, and I thank you for joining joining me on this kind of brisk, is it brisk? Is that the right word? Chilly fall Friday evening in Pittsburgh. And I hope, as I always say, I hope wherever you are in Steelers Nation, whether it's Friday night... Saturday morning, or somewhere down the road. I hope it's a lovely day or night, wherever you are in Steeler Nation. And before I continue with tonight's show, as always, I ask you to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Soul Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night. Tate Boys joins us in the live chat, and he hosts We Run the North every Sunday with uh, his buddies and uh they offer great insight on all things AFC North related. They give us a, a great breakdown of what's going on with the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns as it pertains to our Steelers. So please check that out. Check out the hangover on Monday with Brian Anthony Davis and Shannon White. Check out Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. That's every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's, that comes on before a few hours before the uh the, the six pack. Check out The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield and, 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 and his brother, Rich, every Tuesday night. Check out Know Your Enemy every Wednesday night with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon. Thursday, we had the very popular Steelers preview with Jeff Hartman, Dave, and Brian. Is that everything for the live shows? Uh, I think it is. And, of course, you can catch all those live shows live on Facebook as well and if you're watching me on Facebook right now you know that and you can catch all those shows after the fact once they've already been been edited and, and and processed and published you can catch them on any audio platform of your choosing wherever you find podcasts you can find Behind Store Curtains podcasting family it's big it's informative it's entertaining you won't be sorry and you can also check out a whole host of Audio-only shows, they're, they're not live. They're not, you don't find them on YouTube. You don't find them on Facebook. You find them only on the audio side, and, you, and, and that includes Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar, Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis, From the Cutting Room Floor with, with uh, Jeffrey Benedict. We have The War Room with Maddie Peverell, Anytime uh, we have Mike Tomlin's weekly press conferences, they're held. We have uh, audio uh, podcasts for them, usually hosted by uh, Jeff or Dave. So there's there's a whole just nonstop uh, uh, availability on the podcasting side from behind the curtain. You won't you won't be sorry. Just we have we have just a ton of access for you, and of course check out behind the curtain the website. we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs, and let us let, check out the live chat on this Friday evening as I as I'm speaking to you. And George Teston's first one in, welcome George. And he says, "Please join me in wishing Tunch—that's Tunchokin, the late Tunchokin—a very ha- happy heavenly birthday. Happy birthday to Tunch. Actually, it was was not it was." Wasn't that, it was about a year ago this time that he passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease and uh, he'll be missed. He's one of the great ambassadors of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He certainly was a great player here as a, as a right tackle for all throughout the eighties. And I mean, he, he, he was also a fantastic uh, broadcaster. He kind of took over from Myron Cope um, in the, in the, in the nineties. and And he was with the organization through those, through that second Super Bowl run in the 2000s. And, and he stayed on all the way up until he really couldn't uh, do it anymore physically. But he was just a great man, great in the community. And he'll always be one of the, one of the Steelers greats. So uh, happy birthday to, to Tunch. And Ryan O'Toole joins us. Wow. And, of course, Tate Boys is with us, as I said earlier. Ha- Kathy Ford. Jared Devil as always. Yeti, Yeti's with us. Art Lander from Facebook. Steeler Chick forty six, and Nicholas Berg joins us. And I'll just, I'll just, I'll just highlight this right away. And Nicholas asks from YouTube, "Where are the Steelers Iron, iron Curtain football now? We have a Swiss cheese defense now. Touch football tacklers on D." Ug Tomlin, your days are numbered. Wow. I shouldn't, I should have, I should have vetted this before, <laughs> but I'm not surprised. People are frustrated. All right. Yes. Let's uh, It's a good segue into tonight's show because let's talk about the recent Steelers, uh, uh, play on the field and what a week, what, what a difference a week makes, right? Uh, Last Friday night at this time, we're talking to you. I'm talking to you about a an exciting win over the Bengals in Cincinnati, overtime win. It was flawed, but but it was it was exciting. Um, there was concern about TJ Watt's injury, but since the news was revealed th- throughout the week that he would not miss the entire season with that pig injury, that pectoral injury, there was reason for optimism, especially going. Into uh, the next two games, at home against the Patriots, and then on the road in Cleveland on Thursday Night Football. But here the Steelers sit just uh, a week later, and instead of three and zero or two and one, like everybody hoped, they are one and two, and they are not looking very good. It's an ugly one and two, a very ugly one and two, uh, and it's kind of it kind of reminds me of how last year went. If you if you remember uh, last uh, the twenty twenty one season. Pittsburgh went into Buffalo, won an exciting defensive-oriented game, um, and people were excited about that. People were optimistic. People were shocked that they went into Buffalo and, and beat and beat the Bills. And then what happened? They lose to the Raiders at home in week two. Uh, and then the Bengals come to town in week three, and they totally mop up the old Heinz Field turf with the Steelers, 24-10. to 10. And that's kind of how – these past two weeks have gone for Pittsburgh, not looking good. Um, you know, Thursday night's game, you know, the offense looked pretty good in the first half. Uh, they actually engineered two scoring drives. The, the, the running game looked good. They took more shots downfield. Mr. Trubisky took some more shots downfield, uh, including that incredible 36 yard catch by George, uh, Pickens where he, he, he laid out, uh, falling backwards and, and made a one-handed catch a la odell beckham many years ago so you were feeling pretty good about uh thursday night's game they had a 14 to 13 lead heading in the halftime they got the ball in the second half and they really had a promising drive going going a 10-play drive uh but it was thwarted by a a penalty on chooks the core for a, a a legal man downfield penalty on a on what would have been a a, a thirty-five yard uh, catch and run by Jalen Warren, the, the backup running back, it would have set Pittsburgh up at uh, first and ten at the Cleveland fifteen, and who knows after that. But instead, the Steelers had the punt, and the Browns controlled the rest of the second half, uh, just like the Patriots did in week two. The Browns' offensive line sort of. Had its way with Pittsburgh most of the night. Just uh, whipped the defensive line physically. Um, the Browns scored 17. Uh, no, 16. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, 16 unanswered points in the second half. Really, it was 10. Um, you know, they, they, they scored a kick the field goal uh, and then followed it up with a touchdown by Nick Chubb early in the fourth quarter to make it 23 to 14. And the Steelers tried in vain to to get back in the game. And and the closer they came was a a Chris Boswell field goal with less than two minutes to go. They couldn't get the onside kick. And the Browns uh, punted the ball back with like seconds left. And Pittsburgh tried the the, the whole lateral thing at the end. And it resulted in a fumble into the end zone. And the Browns recovered for a kind of a garbage touchdown to make it 29-17. But it wasn't... uh, wasn't a good performance by the offense again not as not on, on the whole i mean it was a promising first half but the second half the offense pretty much did nothing the running game was non-existent they punted on their first three possessions and you know they allowed the browns to kind of take control of the game and they did um <laughs> i don't know what to say what more you can say about this offense i mean it, it scored it, it averaged 15 points a game through two weeks it scored 17 on on um thursday night so it's averaging what like 16 points a game now i guess if you if you take away minka fitzpatrick's pick six in week one um they did try more passes downfield um on thursday but if you if you looked at the, the stat cast graphic that was all over twitter on on uh Friday, there were, again, there, there weren't many passes over the middle. I think there were four, two completed, two incom- incompletions. So uh, once again, you know, they're not utilizing the middle of the field. I, I don't know why, um, why they're not attacking the middle of the field. We've been trying to figure this out for two years now and nobody seems to have an answer. Um, the consensus is by most people who know football is that they're playing eight in the box uh, they're moving one of the safeties up and, and playing single high coverage with uh two you know corners on the outside, either playing man or zone depending on on uh, the um the, 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 the play call for the defense so they haven't been able to you know that makes it so much more difficult to to run the ball but they did do I think you know opening up the passing game yesterday did help in my opinion, with the running game, because the the, the the rushing attack looked really good in the first half. You know, I think they were, I think Tuncho, or not Tuncho, Uh Craig Wolfley, he was on uh, with Mark Madden, I think he said they were averaging like seven yards a carry in the first half, you know, but by the end of the day, it really, it, it, it was a lot less than that. Uh, 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 Najee Harris finished with uh, 56 carries on 5th I'm sorry, 56 yards on 15 carries. Uh, Warren had 30 yards and four carries. So it, it was, a overall, it was a decent rushing performance by Pittsburgh, but, but when you, when you take it, to, take take a look at the first half and you compare it to the second half, I mean, it was a, it was a major disappointment at the end and the overall, uh, 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 product just left a lot to be desired. Same with the offense, just a lot to be desired. And I don't know where you go from here. You know, people talk about, people talk about, uh, Uh, you know, their, their main focus is on Trubisky Pickett, and Mac Canada. And I get that. That's what fans normally focus on the quarterback and the coordinator, but number one, they're not going to, they're not going to fire the coordinator at this juncture. That's just not what the Steelers do. And Mike Tomlin said that there were not going to be any changes heading into week four with the play calling or at the quarterback Trubisky is going to start. So I don't know. Um you know, all the talk about Kenny Pickett starting in week four, evidently it's not going to happen. And I'm not, so, I'm not so sure. I want it to happen now anyway. I mean, I think, you know, if Pickett's ready, then I wouldn't mind seeing him go in, but is he ready? We don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you don't know if a player is ready to, you throw him in there, but um what would that do to his development? Is he, you know, what's best for Kenny Pickett is ultimately what's going to be best for the Steelers because we, as we know, the quarterback is ninety percent of the equation. I mean, not officially ninety, but it's it's the majority of the equation when it comes to building a successful football team. And if 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 you send Pickett in there, and there's a a, a monster stretch coming up with the Bucks and the Bills and these teams. And, and he really uh, struggles and lo- loses confidence, then that might hurt his development. So um, I'm not sure if, if, if this is the time for him to go in or not. Uh, if, it, if, 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 it, if they have to sacrifice a half a season or a full season to make sure that Kenny Pickett's ready, then so be it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answers. I, I really don't know. I, we talked about this on Monday on the hangover with uh, Brian and Shannon and yours truly. And we argued back and forth for an hour and nobody could really come up with with an answer. And like I said, if, if they can't come up with, with, if they can't find a solution for this offense, how can laymen like us people who really aren't football experts find uh, figure out the answer. All we can do is, is, is debate it, share our opinions. We just don't know what the answer is. All we know is, it hasn't been working for two years. And, you know, one. <laughs> I guess the one thing you can, you could take from Thursday's game or some of the things, some encouraging things you can take from Thursday's game, the line played better. I thought, uh, and, and they seem to be getting better each and every week. I think that's been pretty obvious week one. They struggled week two. They got a little bit better and week three. They, they probably had their, their best game. Um, you know, George Pickens, that catch was spectacular. He, he, you know, but he didn't do much beyond that. Uh, Trubisky looked a little bit better. The running game, as I said earlier, looked good in spurts. Um, you know, uh, Deontay Johnson ha- had a nice game. And, you know, things may have been different for Trubisky had he been able to hold on to a, a deep pass down the left sideline. I think it was in the third quarter. They were trailing 16 to 14. And it would have been a kind of a tough catch because I think the receiver had, or I'm sorry, the cornerback that was covering him kind of had like a hold of his right arm, and he would have had to kind of make a one-handed catch, had okay, like a one-arm catch. But hey, he's the big, he's the big guy on campus. Now, meaning Johnson, he's the one getting paid all the money. You're supposed to make a play for your quarterback every now and then. We saw that last week, uh in the Patriots game. Nelson Aguilar against uh a killer witherspoon into the uh, first half uh and mac jones uh, uh let loose with a, a a go ball down the right sideline and uh it looked like witherspoon was in, in position to to make a play but aguillard uh jumped over him caught the ball took it in for a touchdown so sometimes you have to if your quarterback uh uh, uh you know throws a uh, uh throws a 50 50 ball, you have to try to win those battles every now and then. And that's such an emphasis, uh, for these receivers coming into the league. Now they have to be the, these coaches and scouts, <clears throat> excuse me, want them to be good at combat catches. Not to say that Johnson is, you know, chase Cleep or Pickens or Juju back in the day. Uh, but you, you like to see these, uh, if you're a talented receiver, you, you know, you need to be able to, to, uh, beat your man and physically and, 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 Make catches like that, so it might have been different with uh, for Trubisky. We might have a whole different attitude about him today. If 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 Johnson makes that catch, if that play in in the late, early in the third quarter doesn't get uh, overturned uh, because of that uh, penalty on a core of four, so it might have been a completely different uh, uh, outlook. If you if you throw those two plays in there, but the fact of the matter is, yeah, you can't add those two plays into the equation. And you're left with uh, a big picture that's just been uh, pretty ugly in 2022, just like it was ugly in 2021 with, with Ben Roethlisberger and a few different other uh, pieces to that offense. So I don't know what the answers are. I mean, maybe they can build on a little bit of what they did on Thursday moving forward. You know, they're going to have 10 days to prepare against the Jets. And uh, if they can maybe come out of that game with a, with a solid – and uh thorough win then maybe that might boost the confidence of the unit moving forward but i'm not counting on anything by the way uh, i don't i don't trust <laughs> this team against anybody right now and it's not because they lost to the browns cuz i think the browns are were a better team with jacoby Brissett at quarterback than people thought going into the season and i'll sh- share more on that in a bit it's not because they lost to the browns it's because they basically they they make every defense in the league look like the '85 Bears or the '2000 Ravens or the 08 Steelers or the '76 whatever defense you want to name, and that's been going on for two years. They make every defense look so strong and dominant that you know every game every game that they're in is, is going to be close. I, I don't you know one was less the last time they really blew anybody out? You have to go back two years, I think, to find a, a, a thorough Steelers win. So that's why I don't trust them even against the Jets you know? So, and if you look at that, if you, if you watch the highlights of that Jets game, that comeback, that crazy comeback against the Browns in week two, their offense looked much better than anything the Steelers have done in two years. And that's with Joe Flacco filling in for Zach Wilson uh, at quarterback. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, the way the Steelers are going right now, the way they look, I don't consider any opponent they go up against to be, lesser quote unquote, lesser competition. So, but again, they, they are going to have a week and a half to prepare this little mini buy that they're, that they're on now with Thursday night out of the way. And maybe they can find some answers once and for all with this offense. Um, as far as uh, uh, the defense, and I know it's not going to be very popular, but, and I wrote about this the other day, I think the defense is almost just as much to blame for this two-game losing streak as the offense is, you know, and, and, and especially like after the Patriots game when people were saying, and they say this often after the Steelers lose a game where the where the offense doesn't come through and the defense kind of holds its own and keeps the team in the game. Um, you know, the, the defense did enough to win; it, it did enough to beat the Patriots. They only gave up 70 points. How can you say? They, they, they deserve blame for that loss. Come on, Tony. What is wrong with you? If you give up 17 points in the NFL, you should win that game. Okay, maybe big picture, you can say that. But if you look at things with them, what, under the situational football mi- microscope, and, and, and you go back to that Patriots game, what's the first thing you, you can say about that defense without T.J. Watt? No pressure on Mac Jones. They, they had three quarterback hits and no sacks all game. So there was no pressure on, on Jones. So, you know, you, you're hoping that you're still going to have an effective pass rush without Watt in there, and you had, you had zero pass rush with him in there. You know, uh, that's the first thing that, 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 that comes to mind with that game. And Number two, you really couldn't stop the Patriots uh, rushing attack, 124 yards ahead in that game. So that's the second thing. The third thing that stood out is every key moment where the defense had to st- stand up and make a play in that game, they didn't do it. The first one was the was the aforementioned uh, touchdown to Aguilar. Witherspoon couldn't make a play on the ball, uh, and they scored a touchdown there. I was a turning point in the game. It was three three. It looked like it was gonna be three three, heading into overtime. Or I'm sorry, heading into halftime, and suddenly it's ten to three. And it, it felt from that moment on like Pittsburgh was was in an uphill battle, and and they never really uh, got back into it or they never uh, re- reclaimed uh, they never tied the game or, or, or took the lead from that point on they were behind the rest of the day the second uh thing that that you that you remember from that game the second play that they didn't make they didn't make in that game came late in the third quarter it was 10-6 the uh, patriots had the had a second and nine from around midfield and let's face it jones made a horrible pass and it was right It went right into the arms of cam sutton and he just dropped the ball if he holds on to the interception right there maybe he takes it home for a touchdown at the very at, at worst they they get the ball around midfield and who knows what happens 10-6 heading into the fourth quarter it, it could have been the difference in the game and in the third the third uh time the defense failed to come through in that game situationally Was late in the game Yes, Pittsburgh's offense went Three and out twice after Closing the gap to 10-6 They went, they went three and out twice in the fourth quarter After the defense forced The Patriots to punt But there were still six thirty three left in the game And instead of getting The ball back one more time for the offense The Patriots Ran 10 plays, 9 of them Running plays, and they ran out the rest of the clock they got you know, multiple first downs, forced Pittsburgh to, to use all their timeouts and ran out the clock. And um, yes, the offense was putrid that day, but it was also putrid in Cincinnati for 69 minutes of 70 minutes of game time. Yet, but the defense kept getting the ball back for the offense, and they got it back one last time with 56 seconds left in overtime, and Trubisky made just enough plays to put them in position to To win the game with the Chris Boswell 53 yard field goal at the buzzer, so uh, you know that's what st- that's what stands out to me from from that Patriots game is the defense just looked average. It looked you know okay. It looked you know good enough to keep them in the game, but it wasn't it wasn't the same effective defense um, that you see with Watt in there. And that, and that was the same thing on on um, on Thursday night against the Browns. It was okay, uh, and they even actually got a couple of sacks. Uh, Highsmith had one and a half sacks. Ogundjioyi had a half a sack, but the pressure on on Brissett wasn't really there. They they only they only hit him four times, and uh, he looked pretty comfortable in the pocket. And of course, the, the running the the running game was even better than what the Patriots were able to produce. 171 yards, 113 by Nick Chubb and a touchdown. You know, that's in two games. They've um, allowed 295 combined rushing yards without TJ Watt. They've had one, or I'm sorry, two sacks and seven quarterback hits without TJ Watt. They've had one takeaway that was against the Patriots, Micah Fitzpatrick, without TJ Watt. It's the same defense that had five takeaways and seven sacks uh, with TJ Watt in week one. So um, to, to say, you know, and this, 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 this takes me back to last week and, and, and after the Bengals game. And, and I remember talking, you know, that, that the hangover after the Bengals game, Brian mentioned, well, if you, if you, if, if fans are insisting that the season's over, that's an insult to the other 52 guys on a team because they're, they're you know they they're still going to you know try to fight and, and and there's a lot of talented players on this team and i think so too especially on the defense you got a lot of you know high profile guys on that defense even without tj what you got cam hayward obviously tyson Hogan Joby, high smith seems to be coming on as a, as a young outside linebacker obviously fitzpatrick that first game that he had against cincinnati he put, he threw his hat in the ring for defensive player of the year You know, so you thought that okay, you know, this defense is going to be better even without what. Obviously, Alulu again, Alulu's back in there, and you got Ogunjobi taking the place of Tuit, and and both Tuit and and Alulu were out last year. Um, You have an upgraded inside linebacker with Miles Jack taking the place of Showbert. Uh, Devin Bush uh, uh, had a pretty decent first game, Um, so you know you were expecting better. From this defense without what? Because what you got without what last year was an 04 and 1 record in games that he either missed or had to leave due to injury or was compromised due to injury. So you were expecting better this year because you had a better overall cast or, or so you thought on defense. And yet here we are, two games into his, his uh, uh, absence. I don't know how long it's going to be, it's going to be at least a month maybe six weeks. And this defense looks totally lifeless and like it has no teeth. And this is why people were so despondent after, after that week one win This is why they were hesitant to celebrate that week one win. And that's why some, some people went so far as to say the season was over after that week one win, because this is what TJ, Watt means to this defense. And again, you wouldn't think it would mean he would mean this. I mean, obviously he's the best defensive player in the NFL, at least, at least, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He's a reigning defensive player of the year. So, so obviously he, he's going to have a great impact on this defense. And when he's not in there, you're going to notice it, but you would think there are enough playmakers that this defense could still be effective and it could still, you know, affect games and, and, and change, you know, get after the quarterback and, and, and produce takeaways. And it's just not doing that. And And it didn't do that last year either. So, that's why people were saying what they were saying, and that's why I was saying that. Look, you missed TJ Watt for four, five, six games, and that could be the difference between eight and nine, nine and eight, seven and ten, nine and eight, something like that. Um, had he been in there these last two weeks, his mere presence might might have might have caused an extra sack, an extra a fumble. A takeaway, uh, a, a a a huge change in field position. You don't know. That's how. That's how. That, that's what. When I said last week that the, the 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 margin for error with these with this team was razor thin going in, even with TJ a healthy TJ Watt. Without him, you know that that margin for error is even thinner. And now here we are instead of them being three and zero or two and one, they're one and two. So this defense without Watt is to me surprisingly average. And if you go back and, you know, I, I realize it's a long time ago. But if you look at some some uh, Steelers history, they lost uh, Rod Woodson in, in week one in 1995. They lost him for the year with a torn ACL. And yet they were still able, they still had such a good team and a good defense. They were able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had to make some changes. They had they had to overcome some adversity. Corona Lake switched from safety to cornerback. You know, they, they, you know, some pl- players had to step up, but they still had a, ta- a talented enough defense to to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. And yes, it was a different time, uh, but still, that was pretty re- remarkable. And Rob Woodson was you know, obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was the defensive player of the year in 1993, I believe. So that, that just shows you how good he was, and yet they were able to overcome his his season-long absence. He did come back for the Super Bowl, but essentially he was out for the year and they overcame that. So it just shows you that this team essentially is T.J. Watt and a cast of characters. It's not, the, it's not a, a, a complete football team. And, you know, I don't think many people thought they were anyway, but I think his absence shows you how important and vital he is to their success. So, uh, and these tend to, in addition to the to the to the offense trying to find some answers over the next week and a half during this mini buy, you know, Austin Tomlin and Brian Flores, the defensive guru, they're going to have to fi- figure out a way to make this defense more effective without what? Because he's not coming back probably until I'm, I'm guessing at this point closer to the end of October. So you're going to have to find a way to make this def- to give this defense some bite without what. And if you have to draw up more blitzes, if you have to uh, devise some more uh, exotic uh, schemes, whatever it takes, you got to find a way to make this defense more impactful without Watt. Because say what you want, but it's still the better unit of the two units, even without Watt. At least it should be. The, 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 the money that they're paying these guys suggests that it should be. So they gotta they gotta figure out a way to to, to 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 make this defense more effective. All right. Wow, this is fun. I'm I'm, I'm all fired up. This is great. This these uh, these losing streaks are great for radio. Anyway, I just want to say one thing about Jacoby Percet. And you know, I was I've always been intrigued by this guy. And like he was he was featured in one of my very first solo podcasts back in the spring of 2020 when when This show was on Saturday afternoon. It was called, I can't believe Steelers Brunch with Tony. I can't believe I called it that, but that was my title. So anyway, and I talked about you know what would the Steelers do when they finally moved on from Ben Roethlisberger, uh, and I talked about how lucky I thought the Colts were for having a a a player, a quarterback like like on their roster when Andrew Luck. Surprisingly retired prior to the 2019. I mean, he, he, he retired literally right before the 2019 season. You remember when they boot him off the field in that preseason game? Uh, he was walking out. He was standing around in street clothes and they boot him off the field. It was crazy. Uh, so Brissette's, uh he, he, he jumped in and he was the starter all year. And, you know, it was an okay year for the Colts, but not a great year. But it was a pretty good year for him. I think he threw for like 2,900 yards. Uh and two years earlier, after he was traded to the uh, Colts from the Patriots, who drafted him in the second round in 2016, uh, he had like 3,000 yards and 15 starts uh, filling in for for, um, for an injured Andrew Luck, which is why he retired. He, was, he suffered too many injuries. So if you look at his career uh, up to that point, I think he had like uh, those two seasons, he had around 6,000 yards. I want to say about 30 touchdowns, uh, 13 interceptions, something like that. I looked up the stats, but I know for for his career, he has 8,300 yards, 40 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. That's not a, that's not bad for a, for a, a guy who's never really been given the keys to the offense wh- wherever he's been. But I thought going into that 2020 season, the Colts should have just rolled with Brissett, who they signed to a pretty decent. And Team friendly deal they should have Rolled with Brissett as their quarterback they should have given Him the entire offseason To prepare to be the man for That offense and uh, He was 27 years old or 26 Years old at the time but what did They do they got in On that, that veteran quarterback free agent Sweepstakes that was Going on in 2020 with you know Tom Brady And those guys and they went out and they signed Phillip Rivers who was Yeah one foot out the door basically They signed him and the Colts, they had a pretty good team in 2020, but they didn't really do anything in the playoffs. Uh, and then last year, they moved on from Brissett. He became the backup in, in Miami. And the Colts went with Carson Wentz. And they were even worse last year. And now this year, they signed Matt Ryan. Or they traded for Matt Ryan. After, I, I, I think they traded for him. And uh, now they look like one of the worst teams in football after two weeks. They, they tied the lowly Texans in week one and they got blown out by the Jaguars in week two. And, you know, they seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And one wonders what they would look like right now. If they had, if they went with Brissett and allowed him to develop as their starter over the past couple of seasons. So uh, when people were saying heading into 2022, that, the Browns would be just bottom feeders without with, with with Brissett in there taking the place of Deshaun Watson, uh, while he was suspended for 11 games. I didn't, I personally didn't think that was that was going to be the case because I've always liked Brissett and I always thought he was pretty solid. And you know, I was talking about this with some, with, with some friends during the summer, and they were saying things like, Oh, he's being outplayed by Josh Dobbs, um, in the preseason, and like, Ah, you can't really. What can what really can you clean from the preseason? You know, sometimes it's it's a lot. There's a lot of fools gold that goes on in the preseason, and sure enough, I mean, Brissett has looked pretty darn good through three weeks, and really, the Browns should be three and zero with him as their starter. You know, that that week two game that, that just you know that had nothing to do with him. That the the defense imploded uh, in the last two minutes. The special teams uh, failed to recover an onside kick and They blew a 13-point lead in in under two minutes. That had not, nothing to do with Brissett. So I figured with Brissett taking over for this talented um Browns offense, led by Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, and you know, Armari Cooper and David uh Najoku as a tight end, and a fantastic offensive line. I thought that the Browns would, would be okay without. Watson and sure enough they are and I and it looks like to me like the Steelers are the worst team by far in the division even worse than the Bengals at the moment who who they defeated in week one so it's gonna it's gonna be a a a long road for this team uh if they can't figure something out on offense and defense moving forward I mean they have the Jets coming up and then it's it's a it's a hard road after that a lot of strong teams they have to face before they hit into the bye. So that's, those are my thoughts on Jacoby Brissett. I don't know what, what it is about the guy. Maybe, maybe the, obviously the, 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 the scouts and the coaches around the league and the executives, they know more than I do, but I must really be missing something about this guy because I think, I always thought he was someone that you could allow to develop into a good to maybe even great quarterback. You know, he's not as athletic as, as uh, trubisky or josh allen but he he looks like he's he can move around well enough and he's got a a really good arm and he looks comfortable back there and he seems to make most of the right reads um if if the browns uh receivers didn't screw up a couple times on on thursday he would have had an even better game and it might have even been a blowout for the browns you know I, i just think he's a fine quarterback and and I wonder if the Browns are going to regret not necessarily just because of the allegations, but just because of the money they have invested in Watson. I wonder if they're going to regret that that guaranteed what 230 or whatever it is million dollar contract. And maybe they could have gotten similar results with, uh, with uh, a with the talent they have on that team. I guess we'll find out. I mean, you know, if Watson is a, uh, top two or three quarterback three or four years from now, then I guess that there, there's your answer. So I just, I just, I've always been, again, been intrigued by Brissett, and I, 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 I've been following his career for years and it just, again, it puzzles me that he hasn't been given a, a legit chance to be somebody's full-time starter for more than a year. So those are my thoughts for tonight. And I will round out the show by Taking some questions and highlighting some comments. Let's see what we have here, and we have the usual stuff in the uh, in the live chat stuff about Tomlin getting fired, and Tomlin not getting fired, and all that stuff. But he's not obviously Tomlin's not going to get fired right anytime soon. And Brian Brown says the OC needs to go jump in one of those rivers. He's talking about our three rivers in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's referring to the Allegheny, the Ohio, or the Monongahela, but those are the three options for Matt Canada. I don't know. Um, We talked about this on, on Monday, why they keep trying. It's not that they're failing necessarily. I mean, that's bad enough that they keep failing, but it's that they're failing the exact same way. Week in and week out They're trying the same things Week in and week out As an offense And it's not Working And they're not trying to Mix it up Last night They did that for a little bit But then the second half They were totally Impotent For lack of a better word uh, And The Browns ran away with the game So to speak This one is from Michael O'Malley Who joins us from YouTube Long time Watcher Listener Contributor and he says Najee was running strong. So in Tomlin fashion, Steelers went away from it in the second half. He's a genius out outsmarting yourself. Yeah. I don't know what what was going on in in, in that second half. Uh, I think maybe the the Browns adjusted, or maybe they were afraid that the Browns adjusted in the second half. But I think that, that, that uh, penalty on, on um, a core for it, at the end of that first half or that uh, opening drive of the second half, I think that really uh derailed the Steelers' chances of maybe taking control of that game so we'll never we'll never know what, what could have happened if not for that penalty, but it's just one play I mean you got to be over you, you have to be able to overcome those kind of things in the NFL but St- the Steelers just don't have that kind of offense right now to overcome such such uh gaffes. Rajan 39 says of Trubisky, Mitch doesn't have the yit factor, but he wasn't the problem yesterday. Yeah, I mean he played a lot better, but I mean that's damning him with, with faint praise if you if you go back and examine his performances in the first two weeks. I found it interesting, and this is you know, people are gonna say things after a, a an ugly stretch of uh play by one person, especially the quarterback, but I found it funny that multiple national National uh, pundits were quoted on Friday as uh, saying that Trubisky just doesn't look like he has any confidence, uh, that he looks scared, that he doesn't look like somebody that his teammates can could have any faith in. And I mean, you know, it's a lot of former players saying this. So, I mean, they would know better than, than I would. I mean, you know, you can, you know, they, they know leaders when they see him, especially at the quarterback spot. So that was an interesting thing that people said. But then again, you know, when you're, when you're not doing well, uh, people are going to say lots of things. And, and I know they've always said that about Eli Manning, or at least they used to, that he didn't look like somebody who could rally a team, but he found a way to make plays and win two Super Bowls. So I don't know. This one's from uh, Trill Rants and Reviews, and he's talking about Jacoby Brissett, and he said he came from that New England circle and is a solid quarterback. I agree. I agree. It's just puzzling. Again, it's puzzling that this guy hasn't been given more of a chance. Now he's 30 years old. I mean, he might be past the point where he can uh, have a long career as a starter, but, um, you know, who knows what, what may have happened had he been given a real chance two or three years ago. And this is from Evgeny Crosby. Brissette is above average. The wretched defense made him look like Josh Allen. I mean, if you're talking about one game, I would say that, but he has a pretty decent resume that's gone back a number of years. His main problem, in my opinion, is he's never been given the keys to the to the Bentley for more than a year. You know, they always keep uh, uh, bringing in a new quarterback. Everywhere he goes, they bring in a new quarterback, and he gets replaced. So. And this one from George Teston. He's asking about Calvin Austin III, who you may have saw on, yeah, you may have seen on on uh, the sidelines on Thursday night in street clothes once again. He suffered a foot injury um, in, in training camp, and he asked, "Is he? Have I heard when he's going to be able to play?" No, I haven't. I don't know what I don't know what the status is on him, uh, but clearly he's not he's not ready yet. So. Brian Brown asks, "Is he out for the year?" I don't think so. I don't think the injury's that serious. But then again, the way they, the way they uh, are with injuries, it's hard to say. Rajon says, "It's early, and people are trying to fire Tomlin." I mean, that, but that's that goes with being the head coach in the NFL. They've been trying to fire Tomlin for ten years, really. If you if you think about it, uh, but um, obviously he's not going anywhere. And you know, like I always say, people say, when is Tomlin going to be held accountable? What are they really asking? Is, when is he going to be fired? Because it's not going to happen right now. But then again, we don't know what would happen with two or three really bad years because the Steelers haven't had two or three really bad years in a row in quite a while. They uh, had three list years in the late 90s into 2000s, and there were questions that, that uh, Bill Cowher should be let go. In fact, when he was when he was uh, reopted in 2000, a lot of the uh, local reporters criticized that move. But that's the closest that, that they've come to really uh, letting go a head coach since Chuck Knoll. And actually, uh, Cowher won a, a a power struggle with Tom Donahoe, the then uh, player personnel guy, the effective the the, the uh, general manager, really, and not in name, but. That was, that was his, those were his duties. Otherwise, Cower might've been fired had they gone with Donahoe as the, uh, and kept him on board. So it's been a while, but you know, Tom is not, I think Tom deserves one or two really bad years uh, just to see if, if if he can rebuild the roster with, you know, some of those uh, top 10 draft classes that people are so desperately seem to want This one from George Who says Think the Steelers should fire Tom and Cannon and Bench Mitch So they can get some good draft picks Like a clown team No I don't think you do either George You're just uh I guess trying to mock other people which I get And this is from Evan Gullis Who asks what did the Steelers lose by putting Pickett in he can't be worse than Trubisky. That's not really the point. The point is you could, you could potentially damage his development by putting him in, um, in a situation where maybe the, 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 the players are, are, revolting against the OC. Um, maybe the OC, uh, isn't allowing this player to, to, to utilize his strengths because, because, uh, uh, he wants them to, to Stick to a certain kind of game plan, you don't know. Um, but then again, you know, the funny thing about these quarterbacks with the it factor is they can overcome a lot of that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's no question that Pickett has confidence that he, he's a, a natural leader, that he's more of a, a hard nose, fiery kind of leader than is Trubisky. I think that's not, I think that's safe to say based on uh the history of both men. Um, So who knows? Maybe, maybe he could overcome that, that kind of stuff. I think the truly great ones could never be permanently damaged by um, just throwing them in there and and letting them sink or swim. Actually, I've always been an advocate of that. Uh, But that's before you have a guy like that's, that's before I ever thought they would bring in a guy like Trubisky to be kind of like the placeholder for a year. If it were me, and it's just, if it were me, I would have, I would have, drafted uh Pickett and just threw him in there and and had you know somebody like Mason Rudolph as his backup maybe somebody else as a third stringer but they went a different direction so I think they're going to I think they did that with uh with the uh the thought of of letting Pickett sit for as long as they as he possibly could before putting him in there you know like if you look around like and I know this is going to make people mad and disappoint people maybe put another one of those angry emojis up there but if you look at the true contenders in the NFL and you compare them to what the Steelers are doing and what they have been doing for a couple of years, it's like they're on a completely different planet than what, so they're just not, you know, it's, it's hard. It, 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 it sucks to say if they may, they may not be true. Contenders. In fact, I know they're not true contenders with Watt, with Pickett. They're just not that team. And this might be one of those years where they just have to, 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 fight the bullet and, and go through a lot of uh, growing pains and, and, and discovery and uh, hopefully come out on the other side, the, the better for it. And like I said, a couple weeks ago, it's been 20 years since they've had a truly bad year, you know, and of course, of course they got bent out of that. So, you know, it's, 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 it's just uh they, 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 you know, he can't be worse than Trubisky But you might damage his his uh, growth This one is from Doug Johnson If it's this obvious to the fans That the OC doesn't have a clue What is he doing Why can't Tom and see it I don't know My question is Why are they on their what Fourth coordinator in a decade I mean that says something right there Maybe it's not just the coordinator app. In this case, I don't think I've never been a huge fan of Canada, but uh, you know, I think another factor with this, and this is something that people don't want to maybe want to acknowledge, and this, this, is a, you know, it's gonna, um, it's it's the elephant in the room that people don't really they really haven't talked about a lot. They're talking about Trubisky, they're talking about Canada, they're talking about Pickett, fire Tomlin, um, but this offense has gone through a major overhaul over the last four or five years I mean this offense was the envy of the league from like 2014 through probably 2018 and you look back just four or five years ago this offense that was littered I'd say the word littered but it was it was um, full of first team all pros at every level offensive line obviously the quarterback receiver running back it was it was it was a decorated unit. You know, you talk about the Patriots, the Saints, a couple other uh, offenses, the Falcons at that time. Though the Steelers were in that class, you know they had Martavis Bryant, obviously, as you know, alongside Antonio Brown, uh, greatest stretcher receiver play in the history of the NFL. Le'Veon Bell for five years, the best in the business at what he did at running back, 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Obviously, you had had peak Ben Roethlisberger. You had Pouncey, DeCastro, Alvin Nueva, uh, Ramon Foster, Marcus Gilbert. You had Mike Munchak coaching the line. You had D'Angelo Williams backing up Bell. And, and when he would come in for Bell, when he would screw up the offense, did would miss a beat. Juju came in and, and, and succeeded Martavis Bryant and was, was a dynamic player for a couple of years. This offense was fantastic. And to think that you can replace you could totally overhaul that unit and I, I know they didn't really want to but they they were forced to move on from brown bell forced them to move on from him the line got old ben got old um they 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 fired haley they brought in fickner or they promoted fickner they fired him now they have Canada uh you know Ben is gone to, to, to think that you can go from a unit that was Super Bowl caliber too bad the defense wasn't <laughs> but if you paired that 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 defense of the the, the mid 2010s I'm sorry that offense with the mid- 2010s with that defense from the 2000s they might have won another super Bowl or two that's how good that offense was and and to go from that and completely overhaul it and to think that you're going to even come close to what they were able to do probably foolish to think it's like it's like um when when the D, the super Bowl defenses got old in like 2011 2012, uh, and people were like, why? What do you mean this defense isn't good anymore? And you can clearly see that it wasn't. And why wasn't it? Because you didn't have peak Troy Polamalu. You didn't have James Harrison anymore. You didn't have a prime uh, Casey Hampton, Aaron Smith. Ike Taylor was getting old. Ryan Clark was getting old. And they just weren't able to get after the quarterback anymore. They weren't, after the, they weren't able to take away the football anymore. And then, so they had to get rid of all those guys and bring in new people like Ross Cockrell. Willie Gay was like the they're top corner for a couple of years, you know, uh, people like Steve McClendon were replacing Casey Hampton, you know, they brought in Jarvis Jones and he was a bust at outside linebacker to replace James Harrison. Lamar Woodley got injured and and he was out. So that's that's what you're dealing with now with this offense. You're trying to replace an elite unit with a bunch of new guys. And, and, and it's no wonder that, that they're not, uh, even close to what they were able to do, to me that that is good enough for a, for at least a touchdown less a game, and that's what you're seeing right now from this offense. So, um, it's just it's not just Trubisky and and uh, Pickett and Canada and there's a lot of problem. There's a lot of things uh, involved. It's one thing to talk about how you're exhausted with Antonio Brown and his antics and Bell and his antics and Ben and his antics, and you want to move on from all those guys, but this is the end result. When you move on from all that talent in in a short period of time, you're left with these kind of struggles. And I guess that's all I'm going to say. (laughs) That was quite the rant in the the show, wasn't it? But it's still early. Those that's, that's the good news. There's still time. Um, There's 14 games left. That's the great thing about having that extra game. There's 14 weeks left, you know, in a normal year, uh, you know, they'd, only have 13 games and that might be a little harder to get back into things, but they have this mini buy. it's time for them to go back in the lab, figure some things out. And we're going to help talk about those things that, that they might try to figure out over the next 10 days. So please keep check, checking back to behind the Star curtain, the website and the podcasting platform. We're going to continue to have great uh, coverage for you. you. You won't, uh, again, you won't be sorry. Uh, and uh, we'll get we'll get through this together. We'll get through this together. This transition phase. And before you know it, who knows, uh, we, we might have a uh, uh, a hot streak to be talking about. Maybe next time I'm I'm talking. To you, well, not next time. That's next Friday. Who knows? Maybe a few weeks down the road, we're talking about a a, a, a hot streak. And wow, this offense is is fantastic. And this defense with with TJ, what Alex Highsmith? What's gotten into him? He's got ten sacks. Who knows? So it's, 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 it looks pretty bad right now, but that's the great thing about sports. It could turn around any second and, and who knows it, it could be starting with the jets in a week and a half. So please keep checking back to our site and, 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 uh, and again, we'll get through this together, but until uh, the next time, until I talk to you on the hangover with uh, Brian and Shannon on Monday, you guys have a great weekend. And as always, go Stop steal it. Check it. Take care, away. everybody.